This podcast is brought to you by PodPro Australia. Welcome to the My Business Podcast, where we sit down with local businesses and we talk about who they are, where they come from, and what inspires them to be in business. Hello and welcome to the My Business Podcast. My name is Adam Bell. I'm your host. And today our guest, he's owned a radio station. He's eaten pancakes with Clint Eastwood, founded a global telecommunications company. He's traded millions of foreign currency contracts, bought coal mines in Indonesia, and is now on a crusade to help people become more self-aware. Welcome to the My Business Podcast, the founder and CEO of Natural Ability, Robert Wall. Adam, it's so good to be here. Thank you. Fantastic. Great to have you here, Robert. Now, that's quite the elect- <laughs> eclectic business journey you've had there, mate. You must have some stories. Let's start with Clint Eastwood and Pancakes. Tell me what that's all about. Uh, absolutely. So, <clears throat> in my early 20s, I bought a radio station with some uni mates in Carmel, California. At the time that we were taking over the station, Clint Eastwood was running for mayor of Carmel. So he was in and out of the radio station quite a bit, recording promos, ads, etc. And uh, th- we had a fundraiser, a pancake breakfast. And yeah, I sat beside Clint Eastwood wow. to eat pancakes. How cool. But there's more to the story. So my parents were coming out to visit me from Mississippi. And they said, we've got to have dinner at Clint Eastwood's restaurant in Carmel. We want to meet Clint Eastwood. He's like, okay, yeah, made the booking. We're sitting in the booth, and lo and behold, Clint Eastwood's coming across the room. You're joking. Big guy, yep. probably six foot four, six foot five. And my parents are like, oh, there's Clint, there's Clint. Well, he comes straight up to us, and he goes, Robert, so good to have you here. This must be your family. And we did introductions. And oh I'm like, my goodness. okay, man, I'm early 20s. I've made it with my parents. Absolutely. I'm the golden child and look, forever. And how cool that he remembered you and, and did that. It, yeah, absolutely. It was very, very cool. So a nice guy then. Super nice guy, yeah. Awesome. And did he end up becoming mayor? Yes, yeah. He was the mayor. Oh, good one. It's history. Excellent. So look, you've done so many different things. How did you, how did you get involved in so many different and... I guess, varied things. Most people get educational that, you know, they gain a skill and follow sort of a linear or logical path. Uh, That doesn't sound like the road you've taken. Well, you've heard of the road less travelled. I've taken the road less travelled on razor blades. Over and over, (laughs) by the looks. It it hasn't been easy, but it's come from a philosophy of mine that Napoleon Hill, if you can see it or conceive it, and believe it, you can achieve it. And I've got this knack where I see things and I kind of can see them in their completion and what it can... You're seeing the, the end first. The end, seeing the completion. So I then become driven or obsessed to make it happen. So like I said, it hasn't been easy. The radio station, we bought the number 28 ranked radio station out of 28... <laughs> radio stations <laughs> okay. in a market about the size of Wollongong. Wow. Okay. <laughs> it's okay. like a radio station for every thousand people. And but you know, we we figured things out. You know, my partners were much better than I was in what we did, and, and eventually we became number one in our demographic. From yeah. twenty eight to one. 
from tw- well, not overall in our demographics. Okay, so. all right. Um, and then the uh, the telecommunications business. Uh, again, I was I had a consulting business and I was doing some consulting with telecommunications, and a friend of mine, you know, approached us and approached me and said, "Well, let's have a go at doing this thing that I learned from America," and we went into prepaid phone cards. Now, this was before prepaid they phone were, cards. They were big in the day. Well, they were big in the day, but not when we started. They didn't exist. Okay. So we built the technology to do this in Australia, and eventually, you know, we had a lot of trial and error in getting the right market, and eventually we, you know, became the pioneers of it, and within a short period of time, several hundred million in sales. Yep. I, I remember those, scratching the, scratching the numbers that yeah. you needed to use and Oh, yeah, fantastic. So then on to um, foreign currency contracts. Yeah, so I sold the telecommunication business and thought, well, I'm going to you know, invest my money, you might say, and, yep. and really uh, got intrigued with foreign currency trading and uh, ended up finding a couple of traders in the U.S. and Europe and then built a investment fund, which was the first private uh, foreign currency investment fund in Australia. And again, we went global with that. And uh, yeah, I had no idea. <laughs> in all of these, I had no idea. <laughs> but the next one's even worse. Mining, buying and selling coal mines in, in Indonesia, uh, much less in a foreign country where business practices are very challenging. But, you know, assembled a team of people who knew what they were doing, figured it all out, and, you know, eventually made something of it. That's amazing. But the biggest challenge is right now, self-awareness. I've become uh, somewhat obsessed with self-awareness, but it's such a challenging thing because everybody needs it, but they don't know they need it. it look, I've heard a lot about it recently. It's coming up a lot, up a lot and, and it's compared self-awareness versus self-consciousness and how that differs. But look, can you maybe explain to me what your definition of self-awareness is and, and why it's so important? Absolutely. So self-awareness is the ability to know and understand what makes you the individual you are, including your strengths and weaknesses, your natural personal preferences, your personality, your values, your interests, as well as how you impact others around you. And when a person has a strong sense of self-awareness, they are comfortable and confident in themselves. And what this does, it allows them to have a higher self-esteem, higher self-confidence, and can learn to play towards their strengths and to put themselves in a position to succeed. But really, it's so much more than this. It's the foundation of happiness and also the foundation of making decisions that are right for you. Our, our life is a culmination of the decisions we make. And if we're making decisions that are in line with who we are, what our natural preferences and fits are, we're going to tend to be a lot happier. So the ancient Greeks valued self-awareness very highly. In fact, uh, one of their most sacred temples, the Oracle of Delphi, it's the gateway to the gods. And the priests have to go through all of these trials and tribulations and goals to get to the gateway, the final gateway. Above the final gateway, there was a sign, and the sign was, 
Know thyself. Self-awareness. Understand who you are. And one of my favorite things is that it was an old Buddhist philosopher who said in his teachings, what's the use of gaining an education, learning facts about the world, if you don't know and understand yourself? Love that. So it's you know, really about starting with yourself. But I can tell you, I didn't start out to be a crusader of self-awareness. Like you said, I, re- well, I really didn't put a lot of thought into it. But then I started listening to podcasts, reading books and things. It's just self-awareness, self-awareness. Everyone's yep. talking about oh, as self-awareness, yeah. like you yep. said. And, you know, I started th- thinking about it and like, hey, this is exactly what we do. But we call it the whole person process. <laughs> and at that point, I then began to look around and like, they're telling us about how important self-awareness is, but there's nowhere out there where you can Learn, Learn it. it. And so once this clicked with me, again, it wasn't the start of my journey. It was like, okay, we have got something pretty incredible. We really can help people find their self-awareness. We've got the right tools. I've now got to figure out how to do it. How to, how to get it out, out there and get people doing it. How to get it out there. Because it's such a challenge. It's, it's not like uh, an itch that needs scratch. No one's walking around, oh, I wish I was more self-aware. No, no. <laughs> so it's one of those things that, you know, everybody needs, but very few people. Right. If we were more self-aware, we might need, <laughs> we may need to know that we, we need self-awareness. Absolutely. That's a good one. So you're the CEO and, and, and founder of Natural Ability. So tell me the origins of that. How did that start? And is Natural Ability all about self-awareness? Well, the or- origin story... Uh, my wife was studying psychology at Bond University, and she had a project. It was do a uh, change project in an institution or government thing. Asked me, do I have any ideas? And at first, you know, I had no ideas. But eventually I said, you know what? I took, I, my parents sent me to this center when I was a teenager, and I took this test. And it was pretty incredible. They prodded and, you know, all these things to learn these things about myself. I said, I'm going to look into that. So I, you know, and that was like 40 years prior. So I began to do some research to think about helping her with this project and, you know, found the company that I went to and learned a little bit more. And I said, hey, this is really interesting. Let's get our son tested. And he was at a good school, really good school, good kid, uh, not engaged with school, not connecting. And fortunately, he took the test, and, and he came back and he said, you know what, for the first time in my life, some, it sounds like somebody knows me and understands me, because that's exactly what I'm thinking. The test came out that he was musical, creative, and a designer. Which aren't things that, that resonate with, with... Traditional school. And curriculums, exactly. No, no, and so his gifts and strengths weren't necessarily being rewarded. So that wasn't the whole thing. He was going to do a subject for a semester uh, program at Bond where a student gets to take any class they want. And he took multimedia design. Now, this is, again, a very average high school student, could have left school at year 10, 11, and been very happy. He goes to Bond, 
he's studying in the class with university level students and he gets a high distinction. Wow. And he said, I didn't even try. I'm like, wow, there is something here. This is there's something in this. This is mm. real. Mm. So after a while, and I, I wasn't at, at all interested in doing this as a business, but my wife had a counseling business. So I said, let's, let's go to the US, let's meet these people. This is incredible. Yeah, that's that throw myself into yep, something. Throw it into it. So we, we got my wife set up to uh, administer this. And then um, it was after I had sold the, the Indonesian mine business. Mm -hmm. And I was really disenchanted with, you know, commodities, money, business. The, you know, everything that I was doing was there wasn't really any heart to it. And I just thought, you know, this is meaningful. I want to do something that's meaningful. So I said, honey, I'm, I'm going to get involved, much to her <laughs> chagrin. But yeah. ultimately, yeah, we, we then set the company up and then started approaching schools and companies. And so it's, it's sounding like this can, can change lives. How, look, how does a person become self-aware? What tools do you use? Explain it to me. Yeah. So as, as I mentioned, the... The company that I took this test with back in the 70s, there was a founder named Johnson O'Connor, and he was a human engineer. And he was hired by General Electric, which was the biggest company in the world at the time. And they said, look, can you evaluate our uh, work roles, managers, quality control, et cetera, and then develop exercises where we can test staff and see who has the best aptitudes and abilities to do that role. So he went about, I think he started with about nine exercises. They moved people around, put them into those positions, and like, wow. And this is, in, I'm sorry, this is in the 1920s. Yeah, when you, when you think about that. The 1920s. Mm. So, so one thing they found, productivity went through the roof. Employee engagement and satisfaction went through the roof. So they then brought him back in. They tested over 30,000 people, staff, employees, in the same results. So he then set up a nonprofit center, the Johnson O'Connor Research Center, and dedicated his life to just looking at the relationship between natural abilities and work roles. So we were able to work with a U.S. company to get an online version of that test mm -hmm. from the research center, got it normed to industry standards, meaning that it's in line with the same thing they're doing in the, the research center. And that's the foundation of what we do. We have this instrument, which tests 19 different areas objectively. And this is the key word, Adam, okay. objective. So we put the test taker under time pressure to complete a task. And each task is designed to measure a particular part of the brain mm -hmm. that relates to some element of work function, science, problem solving. So you can either do it or you can't. Right. There's no in between. There's no in between. It's like, you know, are you good at maths? Well, I think I'm good at maths. Take a maths test. Mm. Oh, I succeeded or I failed. You know, it's like that. 
And what's so frustrating is 99% of the instruments in this space are subjective. Mm -hmm. And subjective meaning, you know, how do you feel about something? What do you think about something? What's your preference? And that tends to be, uh, can be biased, can depend on how you feel on the day. Well, it sounds, you know, from my perspective, that that's grey, yours is black and white. A absolutely. Perfect way to say it. And so, to us, getting the right data, accurate data, is critical. Then we can interpret that and then relate it to careers, leadership, relationships, all kinds of things. And then, so we've then expanded on that and developed instruments that address that whole person. Ability, strengths, weaknesses, personality, values, interest, goals. We can measure all of those things and give a person a roadmap of what you might call self-awareness. Uh, look, it, it sounds amazing. I can see why it's so, so important. What products and services does Natural Abilities have, your, your company? How do you apply these to your markets? I mean, how do you help people? How do you help businesses with, with this test? Yeah. So, Adam, we have um, pretty much three different areas. One is in uh, career development, and that's for individuals as well as within the education sector. So it could be an adult in career transition mm -hmm. or uh, a year 10, 11, or 12 student or university student trying to determine the right pathway. To take. Mm. So the school program is incredible in that we, most of the times we test people, test students in year 10, which prepares them for their subject selection. And then we have a program in year 11, can be done in year 10 as well, but year 11, which then solidifies these, does their values, their interests, their intelligences, their goals, uh, to then provide a personal pathway guide that incorporates all this information and then provides the career counselors in year 12 with information that they can use in their post-school interviews. That matches that everything matches. that you've, you've determined yeah. through that two years. But there's more. So once we analyze all the information, we have the data and we have reports that explains you know, the person's abilities, we then cross-reference to match their profile with work roles. We then provide them with a career exploration report. Okay, So we curate the work roles and then provide them links for them to explore jobs and careers related to those work roles. So I liken it to, if you remember, Where's Wally or Where's Waldo? Mm -hmm. So you've got this page of chaos, mm -hmm. all these characters. Yep. But if you were able to overlay and cover up 90% of that page, you're going to find Wally that much quicker. Absolutely. And that's, in essence, what we're doing. This, you know, A year 10 student thinks they can be a president, a professional athlete, and, and all of these things. But when you narrow it down and you say, look, now here's where you fit. And, and there's hundreds, if not thousands, of options within that. And they're all good. And when they understand, yeah, this is who I am, I'm now excited about those things. Where, where was this when I was at school? 
Look, that's so funny you say that, Adam. Whenever we work with, with students, every single parent, almost every single one said, I wish I had this when I was mm. in school. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, it's, uh, it's a really exciting product. Very, again, very difficult to penetrate into the school market because it takes time. It does. You know, it takes... And there's red tape to get through. But more than that, everyone today is looking for a quick fix. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, we're talking maybe a maximum for everything would be less than a day's worth of effort. And someone would have so much information to help them move forward. Fantastic. And what about the um, your, your programs for businesses and how that maybe affects culture? Yeah, so with business, we have a program called the Self-Aware Leader. And it's interesting that yeah, they, there was a recent survey of leaders and 95% yes, stated that self-awareness was very, very important. But in the same survey, less than 25% said they were self-aware or understood the elements of what self-awareness was. But self, the self-aware leader, it's, it's very similar. They, they take the test. We then provide leader, leadership reports for them. We run workshops. And, and again, I forgot to mention it in the school, but in the leadership as well, what's so interesting is we tend to think that everybody in the world is like us to some degree. So if we're really good at, at understanding mechanical things, we just assume everybody else is. Okay? Or if we don't understand things, we're, you know, so what happens is within businesses and leadership teams, once the leaders understand, wow, Adam's, Adam's got something that I don't have. And if I can do what I do and then pass it on to Adam, this will be really, really take us forward. But also in understanding conflicts within relationships and businesses. Because on each end of the continuum of these abilities, it's like oil and water. And it's all about relationships. Sure. Businesses, management, you know, serving customers, it's all about relationships. And if there's something that you don't understand that's getting in the way of communicating, then it can be very difficult. So we provide the testing of leadership teams and we run workshops uh, that helps them understand how to work together, where to identify the, the holes, pitfalls, uh, but ultimately the, the aim is to make them more uh, <coughs> productive in, in helping them to understand each other's strengths and weaknesses and to work together. Fantastic. And then the last one, and I'm really excited about this last one, it's, it's called the Dynamic Team Culture, okay? And the team stands for tr- uh, trust and transparency, engagement in equity, autonomy in agency, mastery in meaning, okay? So we have uh, an instrument where we will survey an entire organization, 40, 100, 1,000 staff members for free. And we can then take the temperature of the culture. So you can measure it. We can measure these critical things. And 80% of problems within organizations usually stem from the intangibles. 
culture, people, policies. Okay. Well, wasn't it was it Peter Drucker who said that um, culture eats strategy for breakfast? And he's a hundred percent spot on, because if you get these festering cancers in an organization, you know, you're just losing so much in productivity. The most staggering. This is the most staggering statistic. Seventy-nine percent. This is a global survey of employees claim to be disengaged in their work. Now you think about that. Almost eight out of ten employees are just going through the motions for the paycheck. It's right? an incredible number, isn't it? It is. So what are you losing? You're losing productivity. You're losing creativity. You're losing, you know, empowerment. All these various things. But I've been a business leader. You don't think about the people down, you know, down the levels in staff. You're just focused on the big picture, and you you hope that your managers are going to do these things. The numbers, the strategy, but you 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 don't, and you have no idea how those people at each level are feeling. So again, we have this dynamic team culture project. We survey. We can identify the eight core areas in twenty four sub areas as to how a person's company's culture temperature is. And then we provide, it's actually a, a thermostat of their scores. And then here's our guarantee. If three of the eight areas are 60% or below, 60%, I guess you would say a failing grade, mm-hmm. then you will engage our dynamic team culture program. And then we come in and we work with the people in culture managers, the business owners, the managers, in, in whatever element we've got you know, special programs that help them to further enhance and turn those places, things around. Lift the temperature. Lift the temperature. And then we come in and we take the temperature again. And if we have not achieved an increase, you get all your money back. Fantastic. So a double guarantee, you might double say. Double guarantee. But, yeah, I'm really excited about that because, you know, this, this um, disengagement is, is, is endemic. And it's really interesting. As you study more about these, these eight factors, you realize how different the workplace has changed from what managers in their late 40s, 50s, and 60s are accustomed to. Yeah. And culture as a whole is more about me versus the organization. So if you don't address that, you're not going to get the fullness of capability out of your people. Amazing. Robert, we are out of time. But look, it has been amazing. And what you're doing sounds incredible at so many different levels. Um, how can people find out you know, uh, how can people get in touch with you? You know, whether they be schools, whether they just be uh, parents of, of students or students themselves, or, or even businesses who want to transform their business. What's the best way to get in touch with you? Look, the easiest way, Adam, is, you know, we have a website, www.naturalability.com.au. Uh, the school products are there. The corporate and teams products are there. Links to all of those. Or email me, Robert at naturalability.com.au. Give us that once again. (laughs) Robert at naturalability.com.au. 
Thank you, Robert. Look, it's been absolutely wonderful having you here. Very enlightening with what you do. So important. Get in touch if you're out there listening and uh, something here has sparked an interest in wanting to to unlock your your self-awareness. But look, thank you for being a guest on uh, the My Business Podcast. Adam, I really appreciate it. It's been a lot of fun. Thanks for listening to the My Business Podcast. If you want to be on our podcast, please reach out to the team on all our socials at mybusiness.pod.